Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2022. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them, and... Uh, out here now, she, her. Eve Hypo555, she, her. And thanks for coming on, both of you. Because those names are a little bit long, I understand you often just go by Out and Eve. Yes. Oh, good. (laughs) I might lose track of the numbers and such otherwise. Oh, it's all good. (laughs) It's just just 555, Amato. It's not that complicated. That's the only number. (laughs) Okay. If it helps, 555, um, it's a Thai inside joke. So the number five in Thai is ha. So it's a way of saying ha ha ha. It's like the Oh my gosh. That's great. I was just thinking of it as the way they always used to do phone numbers on old TV shows because it's like the only area code that doesn't exist. Or or no, the only like, not area code, you know, the first three, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're talking about Buffy today, so it would be appropriate to be uh, Eve Hypo 666 today also. Well, I'm wearing my Sunnydale hoodie. Oh, yeah. I hadn't noticed that. That's great. So I dress for the occasion. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I really want to know where to get one of those. I think it was from Think Geek before they got absorbed by, is it GameStop now? That mm. seems right. Yeah. It seems very wrong, but yes, I think it's correct. <laughs> That's fair. Um, anyway, I want to thank you two again for agreeing to come on to the podcast when basically I just kind of cold called you and was like, hey, you want to read a fanfic with us? We were super psyched because it was like our third episode had just dropped or third or fourth. And we were like, oh, people are actually listening or finding us. That's awesome. <laughs> Someone knows we exist. Yeah, I noticed you two on Twitter as like a new um, fan fiction related podcast. And because I have no free time to like listen to things because I have small children and such, I I told Tori and Della, like, can you listen to some of their podcasts and see if they're cool? And they were like, yes, they are so cool. They listen to some of your podcasts and we're fans. And then... I immediately went over to send you a, an instant message and try to get you on. Thank you so much for checking us out. And <laughs> I'm glad we were um, approved. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm very nervous. Maybe I should have told you the guts of how we operate there. Now, if we don't invite people, they're going to be like, uh-oh, they probably listened to us and hated us. That's oh, no. not necessarily true. <laughs> Maybe we just didn't get around to listening to your podcast. But speaking of podcasts, could you tell us a little bit about yours? Uh, sure. So we are Canon Divergent, a fanfiction podcast. Uh, we don't actually read any fanfic um, on the podcast, but we mostly discuss the different tropes um, that are popular or that we love or that we write um, or read. And then we also kind of branch out um, in various other forms of um, fan fandom. Uh, we've done um, episodes discussing uh, musical tie-ins and um fan videos yeah that's awesome so basically everything around it um just so we wouldn't have to read fan fiction (laughs) 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 but um like correct me if i'm wrong but are you both writers yes yes all right that's what i thought from listening to y'all i just like i really love when we can have fanfic writers on because like amato and i like really aren't fanfic writers we're more uh fanfic artists i know amato you've written some stuff but... i mean yeah i was gonna say we're just a bunch of random yahoos who you know have no basis yeah. to talk about anything and yeah we have we have written fanfics in our life but like that's not i, I don't think we would call ourselves fanfiction writers right i wouldn't 
call myself fan fiction writer now. <laughs> yeah, so both uh, Eve and I, uh, I think we've been writing for like over 10 years each, uh, probably in fan fiction. And then we've both done some original work too. And um, I mean, uh, Eve has a bit of a like cult following in her fandom. And then um, a few of my old fanfics, which sadly I haven't updated in years, also has a bit of a, a pretty decent following um because it's such a rare pair um so yeah i I mean we both are kind of in both sections reading and writing it can i ask what your um what your ships or fandoms are respectively that you write in yes yes you can um so my fandoms include yuri on ice and thai bl shows uh bl meaning boys love so there's no need to hunt for homosexual undertones. It's it's canon. Uh, my current fandom is for this show, Cutie Pie the Series, which is about two men who are in a sort of arranged engagement. And I say sort of because they both entered into it willingly, but also with the expectation placed on them by their families that they would eventually get married. Uh, and it's free to watch on YouTube from the creator. So it's the official channel on YouTube. Um, and it has English subtitles. So it's called Cutie Pie the Series. It's complete, so you can totally binge it. Uh, and the fandom extends also to the main actors themselves, who are Zipruk and Nu Chawarin. So the actors actually gave the fandom a name, which is Zonzon, which comes from the letters of their names, Z and N. But also the word Zon in Thai means naughty. So we are the naughty fandom. And their couple name is Zinunu. Uh, Out mentioned that I have a sort of cult following, which I believe is an exaggeration. But my start in that, or you know, where I gained most of my initial followers, was from a different Thai BL couple, which was Mu Golf. Uh, so that's Mu Supasit and Golf Ganawut from the show Tarn Type. Um, but now I, I write primarily for Cutie Pie and Zinunu. And it's very common in Thai fandom to include both the show and the actors because they're so deeply intertwined. Uh, it's sort of expected that when two Thai BL actors are in a series together, they will remain a couple in future shows. So they often continue working together and will even do side work as their established couple. So some of them have like vlogs together or they do shows where they go on fun excursions as basically uh, it's basically like reality TV. And there is a lot of fan service in Thai BL. A lot of them claim that it's not fan service. Uh, there's so much speculation. But you can sum it up, I guess, from an outsider's perspective as it's fan service. And that's definitely what it looks like from a Western perspective. Um, so they do couple work for advertisements, Instagram lives. They'll go on game shows together. They'll do promotional lives for different products. And they will do fan meets as their established couple. Um, they'll even refer to their pairing or their partnership as their couple or their ship. So Thai BL lends itself very well to fan fiction, more so than Western celebrities, because it is its own sort of package where they're a package deal, right? Uh, and Zinunu will talk. Um, they talk about them taking each other on dates which they've done. They've had like dates and they've done it on Instagram live um, where they, you know, there's the live and they're eating dinner together and they'll 
talk to talk to their fans. Um, and in fact, Z took New home to meet his family over time year and then took him to like a four star resort where they had a private bungalow and they shared a room. It's a whole thing. It's its own entity. So when it comes to Thai BL fandom, the ships really sail themselves. Um, I don't know what else to say. It's funny that RPF should come up immediately because our last episode that went up was us having a roundtable kind of discussion about what the definition of fan fiction is. And I've had, you know, like a working definition for a long time. And RPF just like it... It's hard for me to fit into my old definition of fan fiction, so it was giving me headaches very recently. Um, not that it's not fan fiction. I'm saying my my definition of fan fiction is flawed, and it breaks down when we reach RPF. Well, I actually got my start with RPF. So the first fan fiction that I ever read was about Prince William. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> yeah, and then that's when... interesting. <laughs> and then when. Um... Lord of the Rings was huge. It was about the actors. And so I read that and I didn't know that that was like a fringe kind of thing about RPF. Um, I think it's a lot easier in my fandom with like Thai actors because they're just so I don't know, present. Like they do a lot of fan service. So it kind of lends itself very well to fan fiction. Yeah. So I was like, you mentioned um, not really didn't know much about our pf either um so especially when we're on our podcast uh we go back and forth and we come from very different fan fiction backgrounds so even when we have like the same fandom in the past like lord of rings was one of my original ones too we came at it at completely different um i guess situational backgrounds for it and so we'll discuss the same topic sometimes and um have completely different terms and terminology and everything um, for it. Um, as for my background in fan fiction and what I write currently, um, I do a lot of uh, comics, so Marvel and DC mostly. Um, and I'm more heavily leaning towards the comic sides, but I do take in consideration the movies more on the Marvel side than DC. Um, I also do TV show Psych. Um, and some then uh, random books over the years. Uh, so uh, Supernatural also. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. But uh, yeah, that's about it right now. <laughs> I do in the state. I also do the shows that the actors are in. So um, it's not just the actors themselves, but it's it's also their shows. I've done some Yuri on Ice as well. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was listening to y'all talk about that and i was like wow i, I really should uh check out yuri on ice because i haven't yet so you've got time before anything else comes out we've all been waiting <laughs> <laughs> well i um i googled yuri on ice after i heard y'all talk about it and i was like is yuri on ice gay <laughs> that was the yes. first thing i googled <laughs> um yes no it like it seems like it's not like super explicit but it's like very heavily applied and i was like okay i will consume it it's gay that that fulfills my requirement for consuming media. They need to leave that little space for the fans to fill in the gaps, I think. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Right. Well, how else would we write fanfic about it if they didn't <laughs> give us a little wiggle room? <laughs> well, I'm glad for today. Uh, I mean, when we were in communication, we settled on Buffy as something that all of us were kind of familiar with and, you know, excited to talk about. And Della and, uh, sorry, not Della. 
And Tori and I recently discussed a... Oh, no, because Della was there, too. We recently discussed another Buffy fanfic, as in, like, that was the last episode we did, just circumstantially. We haven't touched Buffy fanfiction for a long, long time, and now we're doing two in a row. But so we've recently talked about our kind of backgrounds with um, Buffy and how familiar we are with it, which is kind of like passingly familiar for me and much more familiar for Tori. But can you two talk a little bit about your background with Buffy, how you got into it or how much you got into it and whether you were involved with the fandom at all? Yeah, um, I loved the movie, I just got to say. So I grew up Mm, and that movie was amazing for me, at least at the time. And then I watched a bit of the show when it aired, but I mostly watched Angel when it was airing and not consistently um, because this was before DVR and all that stuff. I didn't even know when it came on. It was just like, oh, look, it's Angel. Um, but when Netflix you know, had it on there, I binged all of Buffy and all of Angel. And that was about a few years ago. Oh, fresh in your mind. Relatively, yeah. Yeah, compared to us. I mean, I don't know when the last time you watched Buffy was a motto, but I probably been at least like six or seven years for me. So I started watching Buffy my sophomore year of high school. Um, I grew up the kind of super religious family, and we also had a TV that had maybe four channels at best. Uh, so we didn't actually get the channel Buffy came on, but one of my friends from high school had all the DVDs, so I'd go over to her house and we'd watch it all the time. And then the next year, I got a car and a job, and so I was able to go buy all the Angel DVDs, and we'd swap and watch all of them. So it was actually a really pivotal part of my like high school experience was watching both Buffy and Angel. And I think Angel might have still been on TV at the time, like coming out with new episodes, but I think Buffy had just about wrapped up. Um, or it was in the last like two seasons of it still on TV. Um, that high school friend and I attempted to write fanfic about it. It never went anywhere. Um, and then I wrote a few one shots for it. Um, but I was really, really into the TV show. Um, and I had, I eventually ended up buying all the DVDs for Buffy. I don't have them anymore because everything's on streaming sources now, but so it was, uh, really important to me and then uh even now i rewatch it every few years usually not all of them but like the key episodes i like and then um i there's a few uh buffy rewatch podcasts i actually listen to when i'm at work and really bored oh cool <laughs> i would like to hear though about those podcasts a little bit later because i'm like hmm that would be fun sure no problem <laughs> And who was it that suggested that we read a Spuffy fanfic in particular? I feel like that came up. It might have been me, because I I just suggested everything. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. I was like, how about Xena? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we should do more Xena, too. Yeah, I mean, we've we've done a bit of Xena. But yeah, it's been a while. All right. Well... Luckily, I had some Buffy fanfics on my like master reading list of things that we could read, which basically I added to in a fervor when we started this podcast. And now it's just sort of sitting there and I never add anything to it. Um, So I don't remember who (laughs) recommended the one that we are reading today, but it was recommended by someone somewhere on the Internet. So we have reason to think that it might have been good. And the fanfic is called Moving On by the author Cass. I'm trying to get to the um, 
the like main site of it. Ah, here it is. Looks like it was published in 2007, at least the copy that we are reading, which is hosted on Spuffy Realm, spikelover.com, which is L-U-V-E-R, will provide a link on the show notes. Um, and it is a 31,000 word fanfic. So like it was manageable for us to read all at once, divided into a bunch of relatively short chapters. I don't know how many fanfics the site hosts, but I just want to like, because sometimes we mention how website design is, I just want to give a shout out to the fact that if you look at Spuffy Realm, Spike Lover, L-U-V-E-R.com, the top um, where it says Spuffy Realm, it's like the text has a video inside of it. I don't know how to describe this any better than that, but if you, it's big text and you can see spike and buffy video like inside of the text and that's crazy i've never seen that before and i'm just like whoa (laughs) i love this website it is pretty cool it's got the scenes i think one from the musical episode and Mm -hmm. one from where they're at the bronze in season five and yeah um i mean it's clearly obvious uh what it's from (laughs) and you can see it really clearly it's really cool oh yeah i mean some of us because like the biggest like Spuffy episode is definitely the musical one, right? Spuffy. I'm still getting used to that. I didn't know that was the acronym, but I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. We can call it whatever you want. <laughs> all right. Um, and let me, like, you all are are better with Buffy than I am. The summary specifies that the story starts during the girl in question, and then apparently diverges from you know canon, like things would. When exactly is that? It kind of seemed like it was post series to me, but that doesn't. I guess that's not quite right. Or is it like in the middle of last season of Angel or something? Yeah, so it's last season of Angel, um, post-Buffy. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so I don't know if it ties into the Buffy comics, because I kind of gave up on those. Okay. Um, but it takes place, I think, approximately mid-season five of Angel. Um, so a um, little background at that point. like uh, So... Spike's character was a main character on Buffy, but as far as the Buffy characters know, he is dead at the end of Buffy, but he is alive, <laughs> as alive as a vampire can be um, on Angel. He's corporeal. Yeah. yeah. He's got yeah. a body well, that moves and talks-ish. He well, wasn't at first. <laughs> part of the season. He's got a body. <laughs> yeah. Mostly corporeal. But, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, he brought brought back by this amulet, and he was like kind of like a ghost for a while in a way. And he was, you know, mad about it and tormenting Angel. And I think that's some of the best like interactions between Angel and Spike, which I think the author is drawing on a lot. Oh, it's great, yeah. <laughs> like so much cross torment, but oh my god, this shocked me so much because I had to go and Google it. I was like, wait, Buffy didn't know that Spike came back to life. That seems like a really important thing that Buffy should have known. And it, yeah, it never came up in Angel. Well, it came up in the sense that like Spike was like, Andrew, don't tell anyone I'm alive. Basically, that's how it came up. And, and fair enough, you know, they never found out. It was never addressed. I'm sure the comics. Oh, I know the comics addressed it, actually. For oh, fact, yeah, the comics but, addressed it big time, but um... <laughs> not in the show proper. So, yeah, if I had to like broadly like really just summarize this fanfic it's basically that um 
Buffy and Spike need to get into a room together and have a conversation about their relationship. And so that's the last chapter. And the job of the author is to make that as complicated as possible to get to that point. Sounds right, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Um, but more specifically, would someone like to start us off with kind of what the premise is at the very beginning of this fanfic? Like where we're at in the story, where the characters are? You have anything to eat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Well, it starts with um, Buffy, of course, missing Spike, trying not to think about him, but failing miserably. And and there's this whole thing where um, Angel, through Wolfram and Hart, has been sending people to watch over Buffy. But then those guys keep getting killed off. And so they send Spike over to investigate. Was that correct? Basically, yeah. Yeah, that's totally right. And the only thing missing, I think, is the setting, right? Because the over in this case is Rome. Uh, Buffy is living in Rome with Dawn and Andrew and um, kind of regularly sleeping with, and I don't think there's any other words describing their relationship, this guy, the immortal. Lovers. (laughs) What was that? Sorry, I was saying lovers is something. It comes right. up because at one point Angel is like he Angel, literally can't yeah. bring himself to say lovers, and he's like your uh your boyfriend, but like they they're not dating. It's right. Buffy is just like hanging out with the immortal and like doing the sex. So, doing which the sex. okay, I, I guess. I mean, he's hot. Fine, whatever. And my understanding is. See- the immortal, you know, Eve. That's the same thing. Like apparently, we heard about the immortal a few times in the series, but he never made an appearance. Yes, it's kind of like Maris on Fraser, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So in the immortal, I think he literally just comes up in that one episode where they go to Rome in season five, and then they just never talk about him again. Um, as far as I remember, I could be wrong. <laughs> Is that also with the flashbacks where like Spike and Angel are trying to chase after him and then like Darla and Drusilla had had the sex with him? Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, I think it's like implied that he's attractive or he has a lot of sex. So I mean it's fine. It's just it, it does feel like the author really wanted to set this in Rome and that was their like tethering point. Because they use First, like, I mean, I guess we'll get into the fanfic more, but I will say off the bat, they use a lot of Italian. They seem to, like, really like, I, mean, I don't know if they are Italian or bend to Italy a lot, but they seem to really like the setting that they're in. in I Rome. was wondering, I was like, the author's got to have some kind of experience with Italy because they're having too much fun with mm-hmm. Italian mannerisms of speaking. And, like, I don't know how much of that is stereotype and how much of that is from their experience or such. But clearly the author, like, that's that's definitely something the author specifically wanted to do because they do it quite a bit. But canonically, Buffy was in Rome, right? And I think where it diverges from right. canon was that it was, a, it was a decoy who was parting it up with the immortal, correct? And so it wasn't actually Buffy. Right. I don't remember if she was in Rome specifically. She was in Europe in general because they were trying to rebuild the Watchers Council of some sort. I had to look it up and I was like, what's going on? And then it was something about a decoy. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. I just, I can't remember that fine detail because it would have been only been one episode, you know? Um, mm-hmm. They really did pick on those details they remembered from the show, which is interesting. I think the reason in canon it only went that way with the decoy storyline was they couldn't get Sarah Michelle Jeller to do a uh, last season uh, episode. Mm. I, I think, I could be wrong, but... 
I think they were having tr- they wanted her to guest star again and they couldn't get her. Is it Geller or Geller? I thought it was Geller. I thought it was Geller too. I don't know. I Who completely knows? wrong. Sarah <laughs> Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. And um I, I feel like there's a lot of chapters. We're not gonna be able to hit on every single thing that happens in here. But I do want to come back to Eve, you were describing the people who have been sent to keep an eye on Buffy have been getting killed. So Spike is sent kind of at the request of the person who's in charge of the the Roman branch of Wolfram and Hart. But that chapter two, when they're deciding to when he's like being pushed to be sent or whatever, is our first example of Angel Spike dialogue in this story. And I just want to note again that it's very fun. Um, just the. uh I don't know. It, it seems like Angel barely tolerates him. I thought that they had like a better relationship than that from what I remembered slightly, but maybe that's basically the the relationship. I think so. And that was probably my favorite chapter when because it starts off from Buffy's point of view and then the second one is Spike and I was just like, "Yes, this is Spike." It just felt very much like him his inner monologue and then his interaction with Angel. I was like, "This is spot on." And from what I remember from the angel show. Yeah, so it turns out when I actually looked at this fic more that I had attempted to read this fic like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never got past the first chapter because I did not like the first chapter. But as soon as we got the second chapter and me and Eve were actually on a, a chat like this and we were like, oh, chapter two spike. And suddenly it got much better and we could, <laughs> we could get through it. Because I feel like they did kind of nail how Spike talks and they nailed uh, the personality between him and Angel. And I thought they did a decent job in Chapter 2 on Spike and Angel's characterizations. And I, I, you know, you get Buffy being moderately depressed and Spike being Spike are both things that we get a fair bit of in canon. And Spike being Spike is more fun than Buffy being moderately depressed. Just like more fun as a reader to experience. Um, I think my issue with like Buffy, Buffy here is, yeah, she's depressed on the show quite a bit, but she's still Buffy. She's got like witty one-liners, and she still like does her job. And I, I feel like they stripped any of her personality other than depression out of this pic. They do. And what I was going to say, like, if that's my main thing, it's like the characterization of other characters, characters other than Buffy is so good. And like, I know we're, we're canceling Joss Whedon now. So I was like, oh, someone else can write Joss Whedon dialogue. Great. You get out there and, and be the writer for, <laughs> for all these shows. Cause this author does a great job at that. But yeah, like Buffy in and of herself, like, it's not that she's not sympathetic. It's just that she doesn't feel like very rounded out as a character, I guess. Just, yeah, she is sad. She misses Spike. But, like, she has other reasons to be sad. She has other reasons to feel other feelings. And I don't really see her, like, it's fine that she's casually sleeping with the immortal, I guess. It's just, like, I would prefer, like, a little more justification for why that's happening. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I And when I read from Buffy's point of view, it didn't feel like Buffy. I think, mm-hmm. like, the writing, um, like the narration part of it, it was just too flowery. It was too poetic. It didn't have that like edge that I felt was Buffy. It was language that I I couldn't imagine her thinking in her inner monologue. And it was just like generic sad girl. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, sort of like Mary Sue-ish, yeah. Yeah, that angle of like groundedness or pragmatism that is often kind of key to Buffy is mm-hmm. mostly not here. It's true. I mean, like little bits here and there. But I guess getting back to the plot, um, the other reason that Spike is kind of being asked to go specifically is because Drusilla is in town in Rome and they don't know that these things are connected. Like, but, uh, you know, probably they are just because of Occam's razor. And Spike would rather try to deal with Drusilla himself in terms of like maybe not have to destroy her or whatever. Um, so he gets put on a plane over to Rome. <laughs> right. He has to beg for the company jet. Um, not beg, like berate Angel. Into- yeah, that dialogue Badger. was so good. Badger. That's good. That's the right <laughs> word. Spike is always badgering Angel. I love it. I like even, I even wrote it down because I love how he was like, he was like, company jet? It's a bloody company jet. And I'm part of this company, for better or worse. So I should get the jet. I, like, <laughs> love that. <laughs> and, he's, and Angel says something like, if I loan you the jet, do you promise not to come back? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was also a really good line. <laughs> and that was, yeah. like, the end of the conversation. It was like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. And then he changes all the booze in the plane to Mountain Dew. <gasps> to Mountain right. Dew. Angel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, oh, because Spike asks, for the little bottles of booze to replace, be replaced by big ones. And when he gets on the plate, it's all Mountain Dew. And he's so pissed. And, like, I feel like I would be, too, just because, like, flying is kind of an anxious experience. Like, just, like, getting on the plane and being like, oh, man, I thought I was going to have a sedative, and now I have something that's caffeinated. <laughs> he's mad. And there may be a little too much attention paid to the description of the flight. I don't know. It's kind of funny. I I can't tell if it's good or bad. It's funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's amusing, right? Yeah, because he doesn't like flying. And I think he refers to it as unnatural, which is hilarious because he's a vampire. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like the little things about the the DVDs when he's talking about legend. Mm. That was like the only DVD. Yeah. Yeah. And Angels (laughs) and I said that was his. Yeah. But it was. It clearly was, right? <laughs> oh, it definitely was. I mean, this is the man whose favorite um, song is Mandy, right? Yeah. I, I, I do love any content involving Angel being kind of an awkward person. And I mean, not that he shouldn't like that movie, but like he's, he's awkward about it when confronted with it. You know, I don't know. But going back to the plot, Spike gets into the city and he meets up with the local, the head of the local branch of Wolfram and Hart, who's going to be a moderately significant character in this. And what's her name? Iona? Ilona? Ilona. I, I, I didn't know whether that was a second I or an L. I guess it's an, Same. an L, I think right? It's a, it's a lowercase L, yeah. Got it. So it's Ilona. And Ilona is like kind of the first heavily Italian written character here that we were talking about with the author having lots of fun with it. She's a pretty fun character with like an overbearing conversationalist and she's she's constantly hitting on Spike and also um, at, at some points trying to pry information about Angel out of him, which is kind of fun because I felt like it's it's nice to have a character who has multiple goals, I guess. She also, uh, you know, one one little thing regularly peppered into her dialogue is casual racism against Romani. And that always kind of made me go like, uh, yeah, OK. Every time it happened, which was like six times in this rather short fanfic. So that's a thing. So I believe she's actually a vampire, correct? And so the the racism, I mean, you didn't really need it, but I like the fact that the evil character thinks she's technically still evil, 
Um, I mean, she runs the evil law firm and she's a vampire with no soul. So it, that part was like, oh, that would be a character, I feel like. <laughs> you know, I assumed she was a vampire for like practically the whole fanfic. I was like, well, of course she's going to be a vampire. But then Spike seems surprised towards the end when she like, yes. you know, casually yeah. manhandles someone with super strength. And he's like, oh, I guess Wolfram and Hart, like little demon, they're CEOs. And I, I was like, oh, I guess maybe I wasn't supposed to assume that she was a vampire just because I would assume that she's a vampire. I don't know. But you're right. It, ma- it makes it makes more sense. Like the first time she's complaining about, you know, about it is because like the gypsy curse that provided Angel with his soul again, unquote. And like, that's what she's, you know, disgusted by. So, yeah, I, I get I understand that expectation. It comes up a lot like and. I think it'd be really funny in a way, like, because every time she comes, she says the G word, she's like, or like something about that. She'll be like, and we'll speak of them no more. And it's a running joke. It's like, but it's not funny because it's this, you know, racist yeah. slur and it's, yeah, it's bad. The funny part is her saying, we'll speak of them no more and then continuing to speak about them over and over. But yes, you're right, that's because that's the other thing about her character is she talks a lot and she just keeps going. But she is a funny, like, she's an amusing character. Um, the only thing that, like, kind of, like, gets in my brain, I'm like, she doesn't use H's, you know? Like, this is one of those dialect things where, like, when she's speaking, it's like, some of it feels like, like, an overblown Italian dialect. But, like, I was trying to envision the, like, not using an H in words that start with H, right? And I was like, do Italians actually talk that way? I I am not sure. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Um, so I don't know if we were supposed to be doing external research, but I did look up Ilana just because I was wondering if she was canonical. And according to BuffyFandom.com, which is their wiki, uh, Buffyverse wiki, she is a vampire uh-huh. and her racism is canonical. And so... Oh. um that line about let us never speak of them again is is from the show. Oh, like she actually appeared? I just yeah. am not familiar enough with Buffy and Angel. And obviously we could do research. She I just appeared didn't. in the girl in question. She oh. She's in that one episode. So when they go to Rome, they interact with her. And a few of her lines are pulled directly from the show. I probably should have watched the one episode that they mentioned as the touchstone <laughs> for this fanfic but i didn't i I was just thinking that yeah i was like oops (laughs) but oh yeah though that makes sense because like they really pulled this character from from the few tidbits they had and like really ran with it however yeah like it's it's good to know that she officially is a vampire because there is something early on in the text that's like i don't that like heavily implies that she is a vampire it's just like later on they say oh spike's surprised that she's so strong because apparently she isn't a vampire he doesn't even consider she's a vampire Uh, that was weird but whatever spike was out of it and he didn't understand i guess was the point it just does it doesn't make it very clear to have that at the end but whatever right yeah i was surprised at that too when i got to that point i was like but isn't she a vampire yeah you just like eh, eh, i wasn't sure if that was a break from canon or what I think it was just Spike not knowing she was a vampire, but, like, I swear to God that, like, early in the text, he, like, basically is like, oh, she's a vampire, so. Can they not tell? Oh. I, I was just thinking yeah, that. I, I right? thought vampires could tell other vampires. 
Anyway, this is a tiny, tiny point. I feel like they they have a whole discussion on like eating humans. Yeah. For like. Oh yeah, virgin blood. That's what I was thinking of early on. Is when she tries to get them the blood. She goes on and on about how good virgin blood is in Rome. How accessible because they're a Catholic country. Right. It's like the author like forgot that. I guess I don't even know. Anyway, we forgot. Yeah, we spend a lot of time with them before the plot moves on, and but eventually what happens is that um, Spike is assigned to watch the person watching Buffy so that if they that person gets attacked, Spike can, you know, intervene or figure out whatever's going on. And I do appreciate as a character thing that Spike pretty quickly gets distracted and kind of like stops watching that guy like he was like what his one job was. Even before that. I have to mention the car they gave him because I thought that was hilarious. Oh. <laughs> they give him a Mini Cooper. <laughs> and I, it's like such a 160 from his, you know, mechanical car of the, um, his, uh, what, he drives the 1959 DeSoto uh, convertible in the, sh- in, in the Buffy series. And it's like his car the entire time that he loves. But yeah, I love the next chapter where he's driving the Mini Cooper and parks it and like gets a girl's number because he's driving such a ridiculous car. <laughs> it's very Roman though, right? Tiny streets, tiny mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. At least they didn't put him on a Vespa. <laughs> yeah. But he's so resentful. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> With the, the duster flapping in the wind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he stakes out Buffy, who, by the way, we should note, she's perfectly aware that she's been being tailed by people watching her because she's she's very good at keeping an eye out for that sort of thing with Slayer's senses and instincts. She just doesn't care about it, so she hasn't been doing anything about it. Yeah, because she knows it's Angel and right. blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, he, he manages to see her briefly with the immortal and get feelings of, of strong jealousy and that sort of thing. And then the next development is that while that's happening, he kind of runs into Dawn or Dawn runs into him. And then, you know, he's not there undercover anymore. I did like that they ran into that it was Spike and Dawn because I didn't really like Dawn as a character on the show. But I always liked Dawn and Spike's dynamic, especially in like season five, Uh, like they paint each other's nails and stuff. So I did appreciate that they threw them together first. Yeah. I, I'm much less familiar with later Buffy, so I kind of forgot that, um, they had a specifically good relationship, but like, she's, she's genuinely really happy to see him and, you know, not even that upset about the deception or not telling, telling them because, I mean, she's upset at Andrew Mm -hmm. for not telling her, but, um, yeah, they kind of have a nice little, little reuniting together. And incidentally, I, I'm fairly neutral about Dawn as a character, but I do like her because every time I see or think about her, I'm reminded of The Adventures of Pete and Pete, where her actor <laughs> was a child actor on. Oh, bad. Yeah, she used to be in a lot of things, too. I remember when I first saw her in Buffy, I was like, oh, it's that girl again. But <laughs> I do really like this. One of the first like long quotes I, I recorded was the meeting between Spike and Dawn. Um, cause I thought that's when the writing started to get really good. I think this was like, what, chapter six, maybe it's like, um, so they meet and she's carrying like a bag with wine in it. Right. And Spike's like, hello, niblet. 
he said eventually. Dawn blinked at him and then looked down at the leaking bag. I dropped my wine, she said matter-of-factly. Yeah, sorry about that. Spike picked up the same tone, waiting for her reaction. Was it a good one? Oh, you know, not a bad little Montepulciano. She nudged the soggy bag with her foot. I was planning on making pasta. Nice. It was for Andrew, but if Buffy's out, I can sneak a glass. She looked up with a quick smile, not quite meeting his eyes, then returned to staring at the bag. Nothing wrong with a little Montepulciano, especially with pasta, Spike kept his voice level. Yeah, she took a deep breath and then looked up at him with a forced grin. Hello, Spike, you're looking well, for someone who gave his life to save the world and all. You too, I mean, looking well. You think? Because I only just had my hair cut last week and I'm still not sure it's really me, just it kind of gets hot over here and I got tired of it in my face all the time. You don't think it's too short? No, it's a very nice dude. Charming. Dawn's eyes were fixed on his face and the beginnings of tears glinted on her lashes. She sniffed. You want some? Hair? A half smile. Pasta. <laughs> and it, it goes on. But I just thought that was like such a charming interaction. It felt like so much like the characters, you know? Yeah, they had several other interactions. Like, um, I think Spike asks Dawn if she's dating and she says like, yes, or something. And he's like, is he alive? <laughs> and that oh, also yeah, yeah. back to an episode where she uh, um, tried to date a vampire and I think had to stake him with a pencil. So, um, and Spike was in that season. So it uh, it was a nice little flashback. I don't remember that. Yeah, that was shortly before the musical episode, I think. Mm. I do remember that. And I, I also like her complaining that no one's ever going to let her live that down. I mean, not like her older sister hasn't dated multiple vampires. I don't know why they should give her any grief. Well, maybe for that <laughs> reason, actually. Family tradition. And yeah, then we kind of get a series of character interactions because she, you know, takes him back to the place they're staying, I guess like an apartment. And then Andrew comes back and, you know, she gets to be angry at Andrew. And then... Then Angel shows up, who really has no good reason to be there besides just sort of like low-level jealousy and the probably firmly ingrained feeling that Angel has that only he can deal with anything. Um, and then Buffy comes back. And so, you know, we get these series of, of character scenes and moments and dialogue and that sort of thing. Like a lot of like shocked reactions to Spike's return. and weird conversations also how did angel get there are there, is there more than one company jet there must be right did he fly commercial flew coach right <laughs> um, still submarine <laughs> and i i felt that the the dialogue between everyone was really good like i don't remember andrew at all i had to look him up as well and i i should have looked up some scenes of his on youtube but Yet I still got a very strong sense of who his character was supposed to be. Like, I got it. I could picture who Andrew was. And so it bugged me even more when we got to any Buffy interaction because I had to, like, force myself to envision it with that, like, iconic Sarah Michelle delivery. And it felt forced. Mm -hmm. Like, I was, was trying to conjure her up, but it, it wasn't coming a lot of the time. I agree with that, actually. Yeah, like we were saying before, it's like everyone's character is so well. Why is Buffy not? Like Andrew, even Andrew. But like, mm -hmm. I remember Andrew because in my mind, he's the gay one. And this fic is like 
it makes it canonical. They're like, oh, he's dating women now, but as long as he had a bad experience, yeah. and like, it's probably not gonna last very long. I thought that was really funny. I was like, thank you. He is definitely like canonically queer. Like, let's just acknowledge that. Actually, this fanfic is kind of queer. There's there's another, you know, relationship later on. So I thought, oh, that was great. That's basically where I was going with that. Sorry. <laughs> they gave Andrew some business in this. Like, he has this whole, yeah. he has this gag yeah. where like, because he, he, Talking to Angel says, oh, you're working for a big evil old law firm, kind of like Keanu Reeves and Devil's Advocate. And that gets him on this thing where he's thinking about Keanu Reeves, and then it comes out that Angel's never seen The Matrix, and then he's, like, forcing Angel to watch, like, the, all three Matrix movies. And, like, it's this just running thing throughout the rest of the fanfic that has nothing to do with the plot. But it's the most memorable thing I, I can remember about Andrew in, like, anything that I've ever, ever experienced with Buffy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like they nailed Andrew's character because I, he was always kind of a, a Spike stan, I feel like, in the show. And he still had that kind of obsessive, like, crush on him kind of vibe going on. So it felt like Andrew to me. And, like, yeah, as we were saying, like, Buffy's characterization, like, they had OC um, minions that had better one-liners than her. And I'm like, you you did a better job with this character that doesn't exist than you did with the main character of one of the main characters of the pick. <laughs> yeah, I felt closer to Angelo and he was there for all the five seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for real, yeah. I, I've got to say, with like with the lines they choose to have Buffy deliver sometimes, I think often the wording of how they choose to have her say it is fairly Buffy. But I, I understand what you're all saying, whereas if you take a step backwards, that's no, these are not the things that like she should be saying in the first place. Or, like, the way she should be responding necessarily. And so, you know, this whole sequence ends with Buffy coming back and Spike being like, hello, Buffy. And then there's, you know, a lot of inner stuff for Buffy. And she just kind of flees immediately. And Spike has to go after her. And they have this first conversation where, I mean, look, I guess one thing is, like, she does confront him about, like, why didn't you tell me that you were back? And honestly, he doesn't have a good reason. And I know there's, like, this, like, fear of rejection going on. But also, every time it's, the, like, every time there's a story like this where it's, like, oh, someone who's important to you who you thought was dead was not dead and they thought they wouldn't tell you because reasons. Like, it's hard for me to get invested with that sort of plot line. X-Men has this problem a few times in the comics. Um, especially back in the day. And I'm never a fan. And so that being kind of like the basis for some of the angst in this relationship, I I can't I can't sign on to it too much. Yeah, but it's it's like the author was working on what they had. Yeah, and I, I know. will say, like I, I agree. I have no idea why you wouldn't be like, I'm alive. His only excuse is like, oh, but I made this big sacrifice and, oh, I thought Andrew had told you, so I thought you just didn't want me in your life. Like, that doesn't make any sense. No, because he told Andrew not to. Yeah, he told, yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. He's like, but, well, he didn't trust Andrew not to say. So he was like, he assumed he would anyway. That is still, it's the author's coming up with all, like, not bad reasons giving what they have to go on, to be fair. But what I will say is like the, the, shock and realization and grief is really palpable like this is where i felt like the author was communicating really good emotions like first buffy runs away into the bathroom 
then Spike goes to chase her, which I'm not sure if he should have done, but they have a decent conversation. Then he has to leave again. And that's when Buffy, after I think he's gone for an hour, she's like, oh my God, what's happened? Because something did happen to him. She finally starts to like grieve for him, is how the author puts it. I thought that was really interesting. Like, he's alive now, but she finally started to grieve. And she's also in shock. And Dawn has to comfort her. And everything about that scene was so like palpable to me. I was like, this feels like shock. This feels like grief. It it felt very real. So I just wanted to like praise the author on that point, I guess. Yeah, I think I think she the author was trying to use canon here as much as possible with the mm. fact that like Spike doesn't tell Buffy that he's back. Um and I can see that from a season five angel perspective that they're trying to wrap up their series they don't want to pull back into Buffy and everything but like when you look at Spike's characterization uh, the past seven seasons of Buffy I don't see him as a character not telling her because he's always been let's get drunk and tell you exactly what I feel kind of deal and uh, even if it's violent and horrible or I crash my car into the sign whatever he's always been like up in your face telling you what he thinks kind of deal so mechanically wise i see why they went the reason they did in the tv show but i don't think it kind of really feels like spike's character i mean yeah this is a man who went and got his soul back for her how is he not gonna tell her and also i think like you said his character probably just would have been impulsive and been like well let's go find buffy he just drunk dials her one night sure Something like yeah, that. Yeah, he totally yeah. would. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, after that conversation, which is kind of inconclusive between Spike and Buffy and, you know, right, Spike, Spike has to leave and then he's immediately ambushed and jumped and captured. And then we kind of get some scenes of various people trying to find him. And I, I feel like that's not as as effective as it could have been. Because, like, on the end of people looking for Spike, they turn to Ilana immediately, because she's, like, the powerful, influential person who knows the city, who they have contact with. And that makes sense. But then Buffy also goes, you know, running off to the Immortal to ask him, who's also a powerful, influential person who knows the city, who, like, is in the exact same kind of role in this story as Ilana, frankly. And, like, she also asks him for help finding Spike. And, you know... It just felt a little bit redundant storytelling-wise, even though it's all going to get caught in this, like, convoluted noir thing in a little bit once Spike is actually saved. It was, like, too many cooks, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think maybe part of it was just the author really wanted to talk about the Trevi Fountain. No, it wasn't the Trevi Fountain. It was the Four Rivers. Right. It's like, here's a little bit about Bernini, by the way. I just love the line where Angel walks in and he's like, why the long faces? And someone's like, like the thing. And he's like, I reiterate, <laughs> why the long faces? <laughs> okay. That, that like, that is funny. But I, I, one thing that like, maybe I can complain about is I don't even know if it's a complaint. Cause I'm not even sure. Maybe this is just accurate. But, like, Angel seems like he's grumpy all the time, and and the only time that he's lighthearted is when he's making jokes at Spike's expense. And I'm like, yes, okay, Angel does make jokes at Spike's expense, but also, like, where is the rest of his character? That's true. I mean, he is known as the brooding one, 
But mm. yeah, that really was all there was. And he was kind of useless in this yeah. in this mm-hmm. fic. He was just there, I think, for comedic relief and like his whole thing with Andrew and watching the Matrix. And he was just sort of like I don't know what he was doing there. He doesn't really play a role in the story. You're right. Like having him show when he showed up in Rome, I was like, wait, why is Angel back into this story? And that that question's never really satisfactorily answered. But in terms of him ragging on Spike, I did enjoy the line where at one point he has a fraught conversation with Buffy and he's like, what do you want? And she's like, I want Spike back. And he says, are you sure you wouldn't rather get a dog or something? At least you can house train one of those. Yeah. Like the jokes at Spike's expense are funny, but it's like all Angel does. Right. I feel like it kind of felt like season five Angel though, because, and and even like, season seven Buffy because like Angel has a habit of showing up around Buffy at times when yeah it's like high stress times for her but it's times like she would probably be better off about his influence there and so that kind of actually felt in character for him because he has a bad habit of just popping in at times and being like here I'm here to help but cause you all this, this emotional distress at the same time so yeah her basic attitude of like we broke up years and years ago. Why do you keep showing up? Does seem fairly on point. Uh, so my partner and I have this theory that if anyone from Angel shows up in Sunnydale, like on the the Buffy show, they just get worse. But anytime someone from Buffy goes to Angel, they're like amazing and they have much more power and they just have, they're just better. And at yeah. first we're like, well, maybe it's like a symptom of the Hellmouth, but even here, in it happens in the fic. Angel, who I think had the better show, is now in a Buffy environment, and, and he's worse. He's just kind of one note. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good point because, like, yeah, what is like y'all were saying? That's Angel's role in Buffy's life is is showing up in the worst possible times, like, and and he even like says it himself. He says, like, well. Was the the thing about the cookie dough? There was this whole thing where he was like, "Buffy, you know, you said you were waiting to be to baked into proper cookies, and you were just cookie dough." But like, come on, like now you're dating all the immortal, and you're like into Spike. Like, what happened to me? Basically, I mean, the the line is better than that because of the cookie dough metaphor. But I thought, I don't know. I was thinking that's fair. But, like, apparently if you and Buffy have sex, you'll turn evil. So <laughs> that's still a thing for reasons. And, and and that's something the author doesn't address. They address a lot of things. But it's like, if Buffy and Spike are truly in love... Well, I guess Spike doesn't have the curse. So Spike yep. can just do whatever. So I guess they do address it. I don't know. Whatever. Plus, Spike and Buffy were hooking up before he ever got a soul. So, um... There's not much difference there. <laughs> he just had a chip. It's fine. Yeah. Speaking of before they had a soul, turns out Spike has been captured by this vampire named Mary. And, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm from your past. You remember? And he's like, no. And she has to like prompt him repeatedly. And it's like, oh, yeah, vaguely. Like he, he was in Rome and this is just like <laughs> someone who he grabbed to drink and he didn't finish her off because he left her for Drew, for Drew to drink the rest of. And that was like their whole interactions. Yeah, no, that was kind of funny. He was like, oh, it was funny that he actually remembered her, honestly, because I'm sure this happened a lot. But it was, yeah, he and Drusilla were having a fight. 
And he was like, oh, I'll just leave her there for Drusilla. But apparently they didn't, he and Drew didn't see each other for weeks after that. So he literally had no idea what happened to her. So yeah, she got turned. It's fine. <laughs> and now apparently Mary, the vampire that got turned by Drew, is dating Drew. Yeah, it's a thing. But where was Mary, like, since then? Because we've seen Drew and Spike. Like, where was Mary hanging out? Don't know. <laughs> On again, off again relationship. Well, she I guess she was hanging out in Rome. And it wasn't until Drew got to Rome that they hooked back up. I don't know. Maybe she was with the immortal. <laughs> like yeah. everyone else, right? Just like everybody, right. yeah. Well, I kind of got two things. So I kind of got the vibe. Well, Mary was that long-haired character in that Spike vaguely recognized in Wolfram and Hart. She was like a secretary mm. or something. So she was like put into the story early in the fanfic. Another um, vampire that he couldn't sense, apparently. Yeah, right. <laughs> iffy. Um, and I kind of had the feeling that she brought Drew into Italy or like facilitated that, maybe. Um, but going back to how she has to like keep prompting him like how do you remember me you know you were a pivotal part of my my own life um him grabbing her for dinner that's like us grabbing takeout so like that's like it's like yeah. even takeout food on your on your front steps for like two weeks and then not not knowing what happened to it so like i completely think it's hilarious that she's like it's such a big deal don't you remember me and Spike's probably just like, I don't know, I was hungry and drunk and I don't remember you. Well, it also seems like it's going to be a revenge thing, like Street Fighter movie. For me, it was Tuesday sort of thing. But actually, I do appreciate that Mary's like, oh, no, being a vampire is great. Like, I'm not upset about that at all. Um, what she is doing is bringing Spike for Drusilla because, you know, Drusilla, Spike's long term ex shows up and um, there's some scenes between them. Like, she basically wants to get his soul out, as would be a reasonable thing to want if you're Drew. Even though, as as noted, it's not like he didn't start changing before he got a soul. So what exactly? Spike even has a conversation with Dawn in this fanfic where they're like, how important is a soul anyway? And I'm like, that's a very reasonable question. That was a really good conversation because it was like, Willow had a soul and she still went crazy and Xander had a soul and he's still, you know, like hurt uh Anya or something like that I, I remember mm -hmm. that's what, exactly what she said but like basically she's pointing out all the people who have souls and still do bad things um and I love that and she's also saying she's not even she's not even clear whether she has a soul because of the odd circumstances of her creation right yeah because she's the key yeah and mm -hmm. and like I like how the conversation ends too because it's sort of like well, yeah, like maybe you do and maybe you don't, but that's not the important issue on on this whole thing. And it's kind of funny at the same time though, because that does seem to be the important issue of Buffy is whether you have a soul, because like vampires are evil because they don't have their souls, but whatever. <laughs> that actually brings up the fact they briefly mentioned Harmony in this fic. Mm -hmm. And Harmony is also a vampire who does not have a soul, but they just never stake her because she's basically harmless. Um, even though she's like one of my most favorite characters on the show she's hilarious mine too so happy she made it completely through all the seasons um still unliving but um yeah so the the whole soul thing i feel like it's kind of ridiculous sometimes in buffy it's the it's not the greatest sticking point um i think part of it is the fact that angelus and 
Angel and Angel as a human in general might have just been a really shitty person. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is why they are such horrible without their soul. Whereas, like, people like Harmony or people like even like Spike, yeah, they had they had things they wanted to do without that soul tying them down. But in general, they weren't people that were like terrible people, I guess. I love that point because I think the series really reinforces it. Like Angel only became a better person after being punished, right? Like we know how he was before he lost his soul. He was philandering and drunken, you know, all this stuff. Spike before he lost his soul was like the seal. He was this poet, you know, he's like, I mean, you could say things about that, but like, I think he, he really had like relatively good intentions in his life. So that is a really good point is that Angel became so bad because he just didn't start from a very good point. Oh yeah. I always forget about Spike's background and that he was, you know, William, the bloody awful poet. Yes. (laughs) And a mama's boy. Now, Drew's plan doesn't make a whole lot of sense, which is totally fair. And Mary, you know, knows it, but is just doing this to make Drew happy. But one, I, I just have to comment, one of the things they plan to do is, like, drag Buffy over and have Spike drink her blood as, like, you know, a thing of going back to evil vampireness. And, you know, I've just seen way too many vampires be like, yeah, we can totally take on a Slayer. Like, way too many times. And these two, I know they're like, no, she's gone soft. And I'm like, yeah, she's still gonna kill you. Like, hasn't anybody, doesn't anybody have any kind of, like, pattern recognition in this entire franchise when it comes to, like, random vampires assaulting the Slayer? I don't know. So, the thing with the Drew plot is multiple, kind of, I didn't, they did okay with Drew, in my opinion, but I don't think they quite got Drew down either, and they didn't quite get the past relationship between Spike and Drew down. Um, in my opinion. So the thing with that is, like, Drusilla gets visions, and mm. during their me- during her and Spike's messy breakup, she envisions Spike being surrounded by the Slayer the whole time. So I think even as insane as she is portrayed, she knows better than to try and break that up, because she, she calls him out on it a lot during Canically season. Um, so that kind of didn't make sense to me in this fic. And then along with that, as for your point when you mentioned, hey, um, you know, the Slayer's going to kick their ass. Um, the thing with that is Drew had run around with Spike in the past and had defeated Slayers together. Oh, yeah, that's right. They have. And that comes up in both canon and comic canon that Spike and Drew have faced Slayers quite a few times and until Buffy they came up on top or they tied so Buffy's the exception to the rule that they the two of them were very powerful vampires at one point got it that's very fair I forgot about that backstory well except that this is not like Drusilla fighting it it's Mary right fighting the Slayer right yeah just saying That's true. And I completely forgot about that as well. The whole killing slayers thing, because up until you'd mentioned that, I was like, I think she's just there so that they have a reason to bring Spike to Rome. Yeah. An extra reason. And it's sort of like this fic was just to reunite everyone. It's like Angel doesn't have 
a reason to be there, but he's just there because it's like, how are you going to have a Buffy fic without Angel? You know, it was just sort of like, let's include everyone because we want to see them. Or, yeah, or like having Angel there was like a way to like sort of like make it clear that Buffy was not interested in Angel anymore so that she could get together with Spike, honestly. (laughs) That's closure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this whole scene with Drew, it kind of just ends. I mean, it's not even Buffy that comes to save him or anything. And and there's never any risk of them like actually stripping his soul away and there being drama there or anything. He's just rescued by Alana um, and a couple bodyguards. And that's it. And after that, the story morphs into this sort of like mystery investigation for a little while, which I was a little bit surprised by, where... Basically, I guess to summarize, Spike takes it upon himself to figure out what exactly has been happening with, you know, Buffy's watch, the people watching Buffy being murdered. Because, like, Mary dropped something about them having a benefactor who gave them, like, some kind of tip regarding this. And so he's like, okay, so there's something more than just, like, Drew and Mary here. And um, in a way, it seems a little bit too easy because he has his suspicions about. Ilana, I'm trying to I'm trying to like get this story straight in my head. He goes to her computer, which she did not sign out of, and he's like, How that that's very like insecure of her. And yeah, that is, and she probably shouldn't and wouldn't have done that, but okay. And identifies some suspicious looking files and you know, or I don't even remember how he like determines what he's even looking for in there, honestly. Yeah, and I think that was just so that they could get Willow in the picture. He's like, oh, yeah. I need a hacker. And again, it's like, we have to see Willow. But I thought Willow was spot on as well. I could hear her. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like, especially like their interaction, like they dropped just enough of um, like Spike calling her Red. It's mm-hmm. like the nickname he has for her. And like him like reflecting a little bit like when she starts rambling and being like yep that's very willow she's gonna go on for a while but i need to get this conversation on track like just enough of that flavor to make it feel like even though it's just a phone call with willow that takes up you know not very many words um it felt like her presence was there based both on how she was characterized and how she was talking and also how Spike reflected on her, you know? Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's why we don't get a lot of Buffy point of view. I feel like this person really knew the other characters and it was like, well, I just have to write Buffy <laughs> because maybe it was what, like the interactions with the other people. I don't know. It just felt like Buffy was the least flushed out. Yeah, I was telling Eve earlier when we were starting to read it that honestly, I would have preferred this fic to be like a gen fic with like a slightly tighter plot of just Spike like going through and interacting with these characters and maybe solving a mystery and not trying to wrap it up in a spuffy ending because none of the spark from the show that makes me want to ship those two together are in this fic. And I think the plot could have used a little bit of tightening because, like, I kind of can follow the steps, but I don't, I still don't really get it. And maybe I just missed something. Spike finds this file. Willow helps him unencrypt it. It's a powerful immortality spell. And there's a key to it that would undo the spell that she just cannot access because it's too encrypted. But it would be like a, a word or a phrase or something like that important to the person. 
And then he goes and confronts the Immortal, because I guess he's a client of Wolfram and Hart, and they're the ones who provided the immortality spell that has made him immortal. And I guess he just bluffs that he knows the Immortal's name. Does he actually know the Immortal's name? I did not understand how that no. was established. He just bluffs it, right? Well, wait, maybe not. Okay, here's the thing. So at the end of that conversation with Willow, she says, um, so the other encrypted file is a keyword mm-hmm. to unlock the spell, something important to the person and secret, but I can't unencrypt it. And Spike goes, Willow, you're a genius. I, it, it, sort of implying he knows what it is. But like, how, how would he know? Like, what would it be? Like, I'm not clear on that point either, is all I'm saying. He goes into the, the immortal so confident where he's like, I know about the spell and I know your name. And, oh, okay, like, the immortal's name, that's a good guess. But the key didn't have to be his name. Like, that wasn't established. It could have been something else secret and important. Um, Rosebud. Right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know I know that they imply, or it, 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 canically, it sounds like there is some background between Spike, Angel, and the immortal, and Drusilla, and Darla. But, yeah, it, it's not... I still don't get the vibe they interacted enough that he would know enough like about him to figure this key out. It it was an odd twist. Yeah. To be fair, I thought it was his name too. I think we all felt that like it's his name. It would be really funny if it was Morty. This is real. It was I was Morty all along. Yeah. Right, which is what Buffy calls him as a shortened version of the immortal in this fanfic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is also it's, oh, yeah. it's a good Buffy thing to do, um, yeah. And so um, I don't know. I I also don't quite understand how. I mean, I guess it's reasonable to assume maybe the immortal was having these people tailing Buffy while she was with the immortal killed, but I also don't quite understand why. Like, they're from Wolfram and Hart, who he's a client of because they provide the immortality spell. You wouldn't think he would really care. I just don't really get how this all hangs together in terms of they're trying to be like a mystery or the motivations in place here. Amato, you're forgetting the most important thing is that Spike and Buffy get together. Doesn't matter how the rest of the plot wraps up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think it really was just, okay, we need to get Spike and Buffy to talk but there has to be something and so all these people were just kind of shoved into this and i think they were like well the immortal's there and she's supposed to be parting it up with him and so now i get to write about rome but then (laughs) we need angel in there but oh we need more cameos so let's bring in willow and you know how could we reasonably bring in willow so okay she needs to hack this file and like it basically was we need spike and buffy to talk how can we get them there while also including really great characters. Yeah. I mean, a, a bottle of booze and a, a cell phone would have worked. <laughs> True, but that wouldn't have been a story, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, if this is a Spuffy story as its main thing, then yeah, this whole other plot, I don't even know. Because like eventually Spike and Buffy get to sit down at the end of the fanfic and have their important talk. And at one point, Buffy's like, but wait, what about the other questions and the rest of the plot? And Spike's like, oh yeah, I dealt with that. And like that that's the whole yeah. that's that's how important it was in this story. It's sorted. Right? And she just believes him. She argues with him over everything. That was so out of character too. Like she's fought with him when he's gone out for a walk. Like, you're just gonna let all those plot points go. 
And I found it funny that it felt like this whole thing was leading towards that big talk, but then the talk was not significant. It's sort of like Mr. Darcy's declaration of love where like Jane Austen just kind of goes, and then he spoke beautifully about his love. And I'm like, well, where is it? (laughs) So like we're waiting for this moment and it's just like, you're going to get old and wrinkly or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, that's like such a good way to put it because I've like been thinking this whole time. I'm like, I read the the last chapter, last two chapters of the story, like over and over because chapters are really short. I just went like, what happened? Like, how did the plot resolve? Also, how did the romance resolve? And I think it's just like everything was driving towards that resolution and then it lost momentum. And I, I guess I understand that because like what else happens at the end of a story while things get resolved? It's just, it is very frustrating when the resolution is not like impactful, you know? And it, it felt rushed towards the end. And I think the author kind of lost the, the general voice because it wasn't until I got to the last two chapters that I was like, is this author English? Because you start oh, yeah. seeing phrases that sound very English and like they spell the word color with a U. And I was like, that's not American. <laughs> and like up until that point, the American sounded American. But now it makes sense that maybe there was a lot more Spike. And I just thought because Spike's easier to write. But then like towards the end, I took screenshots and I was like, this is not how an American would talk. Um Oh, yeah. Well, no, they refer to an elevator as a lift. And that was my first clue. It's like, I think the author is definitely English. Well, that's fine. Yeah. And then, like, I haven't really got the shoes. I was like, I don't think we would say that. It's like, I don't have the shoes. Right. Or relief writ large on his face. Um, Yeah. What was it? That's that the silence had gone on rather longer than was normal. Mm -hmm. I was like, we would just say much longer. Like just those little things that don't sound American and definitely not what Buffy's inner monologue would sound like. I think, Amada, you said it very well that it was like the pragmatism of Buffy. So I didn't feel it. And I was like, this sounds very British. Well, look, I, I'm not specifically a fan of this ship either. But I think also the issue with this final scene with like their reconciliation is that there wasn't anything to reconcile. It's like, well, where's Spike coming from? He misses Buffy and wants to be back together with her. Okay, where's Buffy coming from? She misses Spike and wants to be back together with him. There's no, like, betrayal of or breach of trust that one of them's trying to overcome. There's no gap in feelings at all, except that it's hard for them to talk like ordinary people who can talk about a relationship. And that's like, you know, the it's not the most gripping kind of love story from my un... Um, you know, unengaged, like not actually specifically into the shipping sort of stance. But um, Amato, you also said it in the sense that like, it's literally about getting them into a room together mm-hmm. to talk. And like, well, they did, but they just couldn't talk. So like, that's Dawn's refrain is always telling Buffy, you just need to talk to him. You just need to talk to him, which I actually thought was like nice character growth for Dawn. And I think they justified it a little bit. Like she's stepping into this more adult role and taking care of Buffy a little bit more and like being more responsible, which I think was kind of sweet, honestly. I I think I liked Dawn in this more than anyone else (laughs) because she's the one who's taking care of Buffy and pushing her to just talk to Spike and pushing Spike to talk to Buffy. And yeah, once they actually have that conversation, it's resolved. 
But yeah, there's not a lot of like high, th- there's no real stakes there. Like y- you just know what's going to happen eventually. <laughs> and then they kind of just brush it off too. She's like, can we, can we do the talking after the kissing or whatever? Oh, right. Yeah. Well, I like that line from Buffy. Like, there's the pragmatism. <laughs> I was going to say, that, 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 that feels in character. <laughs> yeah. It did, but it was just like, the whole thing is leading up to they have to talk, and then Buffy, I guess, true to character, was just like, yeah, we'll do it later. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings us to, uh, you know, that's literally the final scene in the fanfics. That brings us to the end of the fanfic. Before we do closing thoughts, though, is there anything that we skipped over or didn't talk about from the story? Because we skimmed over quite a bit. Is there anything that we want to go back on and touch in on that we didn't have a chance to talk about? I did like the line where Spike asks, I think, Ayana, if they could get a like a therapist for or mental help for um, Trusilla. And Ayana's like, yeah, but they keep eating the therapist. It never works. <laughs> No, oh, that was funny. I wrote that one down. Yeah. That's a good line. Yeah. Um, I do like the part about whether or not the immortal sweats. It was like, did he sweat? She wasn't sure. Even in the heights of passion, she had, and I think it's supposed to say never, but she had ever seen him do anything as inelegant as sweat. <laughs> but then again, I don't think, I don't feel like she would say the word inelegant or, you know, height of passion. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, like, like in a way, this like story vacillates between noir and romance novel <laughs> in terms of language. Uh, I liked the part about the scrunchie and that um, Spike was like, what is she called? So like he added the what is she called to the scrunchie. I mean, then there it says colors. Well, no, that makes sense because he's English. But there's the U in colors. Right, right. Yeah, there's. There's a lot of good lines, which I guess, like, that really leads us into, I, what do we want to praise? Well, before um, before we right? do praise, traditionally, we do things that we think could have been done better in the fanfic. Oh, right. I feel like of we've course. already circled around several of those. Like, we've kind of had our complaints. So let me ask instead, is there anything besides the main things, um, the kind of shaggy plotting, the characterization of Buffy... And they're just kind of not getting engaged in the main romance story. I think those were the main complaints we were talking about, right? Is there anything else people want to add before we move on to praise? I think that covers it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that actually does cover it in a way. I, I will reiterate that, like, yeah, I, I wasn't sure what Angel was doing in the story. Um, if he was supposed to be there. Like, Willow had a small cameo, and I thought Willow was super well characterized. But Angel just, like hangs about and like some of his jokes are funny but his characterization is just like it's not there and it feels super awkward chapter two could have been the angel cameo that could have been like you know short and sweet exactly yeah they could have just kept that at one and like the other thing we said was just this thing just didn't wrap up very well just yeah felt rushed in a way which is i guess even more disappointing because I felt like the momentum and the pacing was pretty good. And then at the end, I was just like, literally, what the hell happened? <laughs> so, yeah, like it, it felt rushed to me or it was like, well, I just got to wrap this up. Um, I I got to say, I did love the Italian that was sprinkled throughout it. I love when there's another language included in it. And maybe that's just because I do it a lot with Thai. But I wish there had been some kind of translation because then I had to keep going and looking it up and 
you know, not to be like, this is what I do, but I, if I put in a Thai phrase and I'll translate it or, you know, somehow explain what it is. Um, and I would have liked that just in some kind of indicator. Cause I had to look up that first thing that Spike called angel. And at first it's not really in there. You have, cause it's, you know, it's slang. Mm. That's really like a nitpicky thing that I would have appreciated. Uh, they do actually explain what he calls. Um, True. Later on. Cause like in the, in the next, in like, like a chapter or so next, he's like, yeah, I'm really proud. I uh, know how to call people wanker and like, 25 languages or something so he does actually explain that one but yeah you have but do a, a we good know point. that that's that word it could still have been added in there without right. him saying it yeah. so you you do have to put that together and i think i would have skipped that like i wouldn't have made that connection if i hadn't looked up what the word was same yeah but when i did look it up i was like oh that's so right okay yeah that's a perfect because <laughs> i didn't expect to look for an italian word and find it translated into a wanker I was like, really? Because right. that's not even like how Americans, we don't use that word. So like, okay. but that's the translation. There you go. Um, On that same vein too, like they use a lot of like weird other Italian slang. Like one is, I don't even know if this is a slur, but it's frocio or frocio. Um, when I looked yeah. it up, they said it was like translated into like basically faggot. Um, but then at some point, the, um, immortal, or no, no, it's not the, it's, uh, someone says, oh, he's your frotio, and I was like, wait, it, what, he's your faggot? I don't even know anymore. I mean, there's nuance there. I, I just assumed that it was something like homosexual lover, like, without the, the prerogative. Right. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's just from reading this, not from having any other knowledge of Italian. Well, all I'm saying is that I like, Googled it and it like, seemed like it was a slur, but I honestly don't know. Because like, when you Google something like in a language and it comes up with an, a slur in English, you sort of assume it's a slur in the original language, but I don't honestly know. And of course, this was written in what, uh, 2007? Three? Four? Seven? I mean, it's posted in seven uh, on the site that oh, we are reading from. I thought it was Oh, okay. 2007. So, like, again, you know, we, we've been better with language, and I don't know Italian, so moving on. Well, actually, to continue with that, um, yeah, it could either be, like, a, a, a cultural or um, change in uh, vernacular based on location, because sometimes the same word can mean two different things in the same language based on region. Um, and along with that, um, it could also depend on the I don't want to assume anything about the author. We don't know anything about the author, but uh, it's kind of like, um, like when if you're in the que queer community, you're going to use phrases in that community differently from if you were outside that community. So it could also be part of that. Um, so. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I wasn't meaning to be like, oh, the author was using a slur. Like I mean, yeah. they might have been. But they might have been a slur they were entitled to use. Just like I said the word because, you know, I can. There's <laughs> Give myself permission. But <laughs> the, the point is, like, yeah, I'm not sure. I guess it's, that's not even, like, real criticism. I'm just, like, sort of, like, what what is this, you know, on the same vein of when you look up those words and you don't understand them, I guess. Is and the, the usage was there. weird, like you said. Like, yeah. his, and it's like, that doesn't even make sense. 
yeah, if you look up the definition, it doesn't make sense. But, like, who knows? Like, yeah. I, yeah. That's the problem is we don't know Italian, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we want to transition on to praise for uh, for the fanfic and things that we enjoyed about it, I, I think, I mean, that's a good transition for something I want to say, which is that I don't know how well the author knows Italian. I don't know how much experience they have with Rome. But clearly, they're really excited to be writing Rome and Italy. And, like, it really shines through in the fanfic, just this, like, undercurrent of, like, yeah, this story is set in Rome, heck yeah. And so, like, all kinds of Italian language, like, geography of the city of Rome, like, you know, it's it really feels set in Rome in a way where, like, um, a lot of stories don't. If they're, like, somewhere that's outside of the author's backyard or whatever, like, sometimes it's kind of like a sketch and, like, oh, yeah, and here, this, this one most famous landmark as a touchstone. And then, you know, you don't really feel immersed in it. And you do in this story, which I thought was pretty fun. Agreed. Uh, so I studied abroad in Rome for about a month, and I did get that sense and like the fact that she lived in Trastevere. I'd been there and I was like, oh, yes, I get that sense. And, you know, Piazza Navona, um, although I kind of I figured when I was like, no, that's going to be Piazza Navona. <laughs> <laughs> but if they hadn't been there or didn't know it, they at least did the research and it, it felt like it. Yeah, I've also been to Rome, and so I, I got the same similar vibe that they at least um, probably had been there on vacation or something to to kind of get a feel for it. Um, um, had a good vibe to it. What else would you all like to praise about the fanfic on the way out? What do you think was the best thing about it? Characterization, for sure. Yeah, I feel like overall they they nailed uh, Spike's characterization, like mm-hmm. and. 99% of time. It was, it was pretty good. Um, I thought they got his humor and his personality down. And uh, I enjoyed that second chapter uh, interaction between him and Angel, where Angel made sense because they were back at Wolfram and Hart. But then past that, the whole Angel didn't need to be there. So those interactions were a bit different. But uh, I feel like that um, I wish she had started the fic with that first, with that second chapter instead of the first chapter, because I probably would have read it ten years ago <laughs> instead of forcing myself to get past that first chapter. <laughs> yeah, I really felt like we were in Spike's head, and not having watched the show, and this was before I went to YouTube to look up different scenes. I felt Spike when I read it. I was like, oh yeah, because again, that first chapter, I was like, this is just narration of what. Buffy might be going through. I didn't feel Buffy, but then when we got to Spike, I was like, okay, this person knows the character, um, really depicted the dynamic between Spike and Angel, and really paid attention to those little details like calling Willow Red, calling um, Dawn Little Bit, you know, those little things that are peppered throughout. You're like, yes, this is a fan. This is someone who, I mean, obviously, but like who pays attention to those details. Um, which is why I was really disappointed with the depiction of Buffy, but we're doing praise. And I thought everything else, it felt like Buffyverse. It occurs to me that I might have enjoyed this better completely from Spike's perspective. And not just because like we thought that his characterization was spot on, but because if there's going to be any drama in this getting back together with Buffy, it's that Spike does not know how she's going to react to knowing that he's alive and he does not know if she still has feelings for him. But we, the reader, know that. And so, like, if if we, the reader, did not know that, if we were coming from the same place as Spike, 
that I feel like there would be a little bit more stakes in him, like, meeting up with Buffy again or uh, or talking with her as well. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> that has me thinking. I, I was going to praise, like, the, the bits of writing, like, not, you know, necessarily, like, the writing as a whole, because the pacing could be, like, a little bit more, but, like, these bits of characterization and these, like, really strong descriptions. But I also, that also got me thinking, like, well... I never wanted to see Spike and Buffy get together from the series because of the really bad things that happened between them. And I know it's complicated. You know, he didn't have a soul. And, and at least the author addresses that. And, and there's a weird way in which forgiveness works in this. Like, Spike is forgiven and he's recharacterized as someone that can be forgiven. And like y'all said, we're in his head. And he's a very likable person in that head. And I still believe it. And so, like, it feels like something I've always wanted. Like, I always wanted to like Spike. But then, of course, Joss Whedon wrote in his attempted rape and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, now I can't like him anymore. But you like him in this. And I feel like it is it is justified. Sorry, that was a little bit tangential off of what you said about it. But I, I swear it was related at first. Well, is this related to things you like about the fanfic, which is yes. like... Well, the, that that's true. Yeah. The portrayal of Spike, yeah. No, that makes sense. And I get where you're coming from with, um, especially past season six and stuff, because like back when I was really into reading Spuffy fanfic, because it was a shipping I really, really enjoyed, I was always a big fan of fanfic that was centered between like season two up to like season five. And then once you get into like season six and seven, I wasn't really into it anymore because of just how they wrote the characters in canon on season six and then season seven that it it lost a lot of its spark for me. Um, so, yeah, I, they I feel like they did a good job of pointing those parts out in this fanfic and still kind of moving past it as best as you could, especially Back in, you know, early 2000s, they probably didn't have the background info of how Josh Whedon kind of pushed the show in certain directions that probably he didn't need to, but he was trying to, you know, complicated politics on on their side of uh, how they took the show and stuff. So I did like seeing just (laughs) to be back to things that we liked. That we did get to see things from other characters' perspectives. So it wasn't just Buffy and Spike. We got little bits of, like, a little bit. We got some of Dawn. We got some of, um, I think we got a little bit of Alana, right? Like a tiny little bit. I don't know. But we saw from other people's perspectives. And that was just a nice little touch right there. Yeah, yeah. Like, if it's weird because it's like, in a way, I want to praise the characterization of the sick, but then I'm also like the times that the characterization um fell down, like with in my Buffy primarily, but also Angel was just like Angel wasn't badly characterized, just a, like a little bit shallow. Um, but that sort of means that the author did they paid a lot of attention to characterization. I think that's the reason we're paying attention to characterization. Mm. Um. And I, I would definitely praise that just like, even if they didn't get everything right, their attention to it, you know? Yeah. 
Oh, I like that because they paid so much attention. Then we're really honing in on it because we're like, we notice it. And so then we notice everything about it. And I think maybe Buffy is just hard to write. And honestly, she was one of my least favorite characters on the show. But I think that's sort of a symptom of being like the savior trope. Like, what else are you going to do with it? Hmm. Right? She has to be a little self-righteous. She has to believe that everything she does is right and that she's the only one who can do something. Kind of like what you said about <laughs> Angel. He feels like he's the only one who can who can do it because, I mean, that's what she's been told as a teenager growing up. Like, you're, you're the only one who can do this. You're the slayer. You're the chosen one or whatever. So for her to then not have that identity anymore, because, right. you know, then what's left? Mm-hmm. She's just sad. Right. And like, so that actually makes a good characterization, right? Because like, even the show did that, you know, it was always like, Buffy's identity was always wrapped up in being or not being the Slayer. So like, if we're looking at this, it's like, did they characterize Buffy like the series? Like, kind of, yeah. Like, we they, they didn't give her a lot, but kind of, yeah, you know? Right. Like, in and a I way, the series didn't give her a lot. I don't know. <laughs> in my opinion. And part of me was wondering if she lacked a bit of action so when they noticed that spike has been gone for a while she doesn't do anything and i felt and maybe i'm misremembering the character but i felt like she would have jumped to action much sooner and when um dawn tells her like well let's just wait and she does she just sits back down i was like no buffy would have stormed out there much longer she would have put on her leather jacket and left and then she goes to the immortal and i was like would she really have gone to him she would have just like done it on her own and been like screw this but she goes to him. She doesn't even like him that much. I don't know. Yeah, like running off to the immortal was super nuts. I was like, what? Though I do like that scene where like his like young male lover walks out in the middle of it. And Angel's just like, because Angel goes with her, is like looking at her, like criticizing her. Like he clearly has another lover. And she's just like looking at him like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. I thought it was really hilarious. And she was so accommodating to him, too. Like, she was trying to appease the immortal and, like, trying to shoo Angel out of there. I felt yeah. like if she were going to confront him or even ask him for help, she would have been a little bit more badass about it. Maybe not badass, like, not praising her yeah. for being a jerk or anything. She, but she would have, like... You're right. Yeah. Sort of demanded it and been a little more quippy. Or, like, done more action, right? <laughs> Where's the Buffy that like bursts in the crypts and kicks people's doors right. down and like does that with people she's sleeping with? So, <laughs> well, I think you know we're we're circling back around and we want to end on a positive note. But I think that okay. certainly <laughs> we found stuff to enjoy in this fanfic, including a lot of really good characterization and a lot of good dialogue over a whole lot of characters, just not necessarily around the central premise of the story, which we enjoyed a little bit less. But you know, you win some and you lose some. So thanks so much for joining me on reading this story, you two. And Out and Eve, can you two tell us where your stuff online is? Maybe how we can find your podcast and how we can find your fanfics, if that's something you want to share. Oh, my. Um, well, yeah, first of all, thank you so much for inviting us. This is fantastic. I mean, we're we're newbie podcasters. Is that is that the word? Yeah. Um, so this is really exciting. I was like, oh my gosh, someone knows who we are. Um, but you can find us on Twitter. We are at Divergent Canon, because Canon Divergent was taken. Um, and on Instagram at Canon Divergent Pod. Is that correct? Out? 
I'm pulling it up right now. Sorry. <laughs> we were unprepared. Okay. Yep. So Twitter at Divergent Canon. Um, Instagram at Canon Divergent Pod. Um, you can also find our podcast, Canon Vi- Divergent, a fan fiction podcast on I think we're on just about every streaming source now. We're on um, Spotify, Apple. Um, we're housed on Anchor, but we're we're on pretty much everything. Pod yeah, Stitcher, any, anything like those, we're on. And then um, my fan fiction handle on AO3 is uh, out here now. And mine's the same. Um, on AO3, it's Eve Hypo five five five. Um, and it's the same for my my Twitter, um, or it's at ehypo555. We stayed pretty consistent on our names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, you you said you were happy people were listening to you. Um, I mean, you're, the the fanfic-related podcasting community, I would say it's kind of small and friendly, but honestly, it seems like it's getting bigger every single week. Like, I keep seeing more fanfic-related yeah. podcasts appearing over and over. But regardless, I think people are still pretty friendly. And um, I just, once again, really appreciate you both taking time out of your lives to read assigned reading and then do recording that does not help you get a backlog on your own podcast. I know that it's, you know, it is an ask. So thanks what again. Lives? <laughs> right? If I if I wasn't uh, in quarantine, I'd have no free time. So... <laughs> Oh, good. Fun 12-hour days at work. I caught you at a good time. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. I had to get uh, had to get seriously sick for us to be able to do this, so it works out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> hopefully you're feeling better. But you mentioned that, you know, the, the fan fiction podcast community, mm-hmm. and I thought it was just interesting that ours tends to be a little different from most, where mm-hmm. a lot of the fan fiction podcasts that I'd looked at were reading them and talking about what they'd read or even reading them in the podcast itself. So I was a little worried that ours was was not at all that platform. Off the top of my head, you know, we're friends with uh, Fanfic Maverick. The Fanfic Maverick podcast um, is Fanfic Discussion. And so is Talkin' Fanfic, hosted by Sarah B. Um, Fanfic Maverick usually has an author on to interview. And does, does Talkin' Fanfic nice. do similar, Tori? I, I can't remember yeah. what they kind of do in general. A little bit. It's like it's on and off, but we're we're the only like book club where we like right. do a reading assignment beforehand. Well, th- that's probably because it's a bad idea. Because if you read it on the air, every all the audience gets to hear it, and if you do a book club, True. everybody just gets to hear us talk about it. And um, yeah, I might we should probably rethink the essential premise of what we do, but it's too late for that. Well, I enjoyed it, and I think <laughs> with ours, it's a little harder because we're just talking about what we've written and. No one's read that. <laughs> well, no, but y'all are talking about concepts. Actually, like, um, we got inspired by y'all to talk about concepts of fanfic. And I thought that was like a nice thing because we, we do, you know, part of our podcast is we think about these concepts as we're reading these fanfic. We're like, oh my gosh. And y'all just like kind of narrowed down that idea and went, Let's talk about these concepts in general. So yeah, I, th- I thought that was perfect. Honestly, I've liked all, all y'all's episodes so far. So keep doing it. Quite directly, you inspired Thank us you. Uh, because, like, <laughs> we we had yes. to we had to like fill you know a few more episodes before Della went off on vacation, and Della and Tori were like, let's talk about some like broader concepts like Canon Divergent to do, and we just totally encroached on your turf, <laughs> and so. No. 
So we did. So that that's the the most recent episode that's out right now was the first of those um, was us talking oh about goodness. like the definition of fan fiction, and then we're gonna have another one in about two weeks from when we're talking right now going up. Um, that is about crossovers and Ooh. kind of more of a general discussion there. <laughs> oh, fantastic. No, this is so affirming. Thank you. <laughs> um, I wonder if it's also because even I are, or even I, oh my God, um, Al and I <laughs> are writers. So we wanted to talk about these different perspectives because we also figure that our audience might also be writing fan fiction or wanting to. A lot mm-hmm. of people who I talk to in my fandoms on Twitter, they're like, I really want to write, but you know, I'm worried that I'm not good enough. And I hate hearing that because I'm like, no, don't let that stop you. And so I figured us talking about some of the things that go into our writing process, I don't know, might help. Not that we're experts, but it's like, here's some of the things that we've done. Hopefully it helps you as well. And even like our background, like, <laughs> like we both wrote when we were like in middle school, it was yeah. not good. You should not read any of that stuff, but like it, it's writing you have to practice somehow. Yeah. And so especially since we both write original work too, it's like I don't consider fanfic practice or writing original work, but it definitely influences and helps and lots of fanfic and writers have made careers good careers writing their own work. So And you know, I'm not one to encourage people like, oh, you should try to monetize your hobby or to say that like you need to move on to original work. But I've certainly come to understand that whether or not you write other stuff besides fan fiction, one of the really cool things about fan fiction is that it gets a lot of people who otherwise would not be writing, writing stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I talked about this in one of our episodes that I tried doing like um, an AU, but like completely changing the names just to see what would happen. And they became their own separate characters from what I based them off. So I do love fan fiction as like, a writing exercise as a way to get into writing, discovering who you are as a writer, and then reading different things, like just steal from other people, honestly, like, that's part of writing, you notice something that you like, that resonates with you. And you're like, I'm gonna do that. I mean, yeah. And, and, and it's funny, because like, when you put it as stealing, and I think a lot of people do, you're like, well, that's bad. Don't steal. But it's like, no, archetypes have always existed. Tropes have always existed. True. Like everything is everything else. And fan fiction is another, you know, area of fiction that's like, it's not any different. I I think one of the problems in our culture is viewing fan fiction as lesser because, oh, you're borrowing characters, you're borrowing ideas or settings. It's like, no, we're all borrowing characters and ideas and settings as writers. Like, let's be real. (laughs) Well... Uh, I mean, I would love to just continue talking about fan fiction too, but I need to go meet up with kids in a little bit. Um, I've, yeah. I'm always Sorry, on childcare timing constraints. No, no, I, I'm not saying like, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to be rushed after this, just that I need to close us out, I'm afraid. This was Let's episode 137 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. Um, wait, what was the title of this fanfic? Moving On. Moving On? Moving On by Cass. <laughs> And you can find it on Spuffy Realm, the website with the cool animated uh, title up at the top. And we'll provide a link there in the show notes. I'll also try to provide a link to both of your, both your, your, your shared podcast and your AO3 accounts evened out uh, when this episode goes up. Thank you.
Awesome. And thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, this was this was great. This was fantastic. It was absolutely our pleasure. <laughs> Other than those links, you can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode or anything we talked about, you can find us on Twitter at Retrofanfic, Facebook at Retrofanfic, or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. Or, you know, leave comments or reviews on your podcast service of your choice or whatever. I also need to mention that our podcast is edited by Della Davis, who is on vacation as of now, which means that anything we record, you know, like on, on physical, actual vacation, like in Europe, which means that anything we record right now is just going to be like a pile of stuff for Della to deal with when she gets back. So happy vacation, Della. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. Oh, I'm Eve. <laughs> Help. We're just four Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. We did it. Sorry, sorry if the ending was a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I could have could have done a better job preparing you for that. Part.